This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. When stories are written and told with Second Story, one common question the tellers must answer is, why now? What makes this story necessary or relevant to this moment? This week's story, written and performed by teller Nestor Gomez, presents specific parallels between his experience as an immigrant and the painful struggles and disturbing treatment the immigrant community is facing in America today. But this story was not written today. The story you are about to hear was written and performed almost a year ago, yet remains troublingly relevant. Recorded live at Pub 626 in Chicago in March 2018, Second Story is proud to present Families Belong Together. No kid ever grows up wanting to be an immigrant or a refugee. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a teacher, a lawyer, or a journalist. So now as an adult, I pay close attention whenever I see any of these professionals at work. A couple of weeks ago, I spent days watching the news, but not because of my childhood dream of being a reporter, no. I was watching the reports about the current situation at the USA-Mexico border and the situation, the inexcusable treatment of immigrant kids by this administration. Immigrant children, some of them infants, as they were being ripped away from their parents' arms only to be detained and put in cages. Thanks to the efforts of many organizations that organized thousands of people to march and protest to the chance of families belong together, and thanks to the outcry of millions of concerned citizens, the situation evolved in such a way that some of the children, only a few of them, are being reunited with the parents. I'm watching the news, and I'm watching a video clip of one of these reunions. I'm watching as the mother, crying and trembling, sees across the room the figure of her small son whom she has not seen in weeks. The mother approaches her son, gets down on her knees and hugs her son. And she hugs him in such a way as if trying to make sure that no one will ever separate them again. Te amo, te amo, lo siento mucho. I love you, I love you, I'm so sorry, she says. But her son doesn't look at her. Her son doesn't reply. And her son doesn't hug her back. And I wonder, Maybe he's too traumatized, or maybe he's upset at her. Maybe he blames her for everything that they went through so far. 
And I think this because for a long time, that's the way I felt about my mother. When I was about 10 years old living in Guatemala, my mother used to send me to the market to buy fabric for her sewing business. She couldn't afford to send my father because he had a drinking problem. But one day, my mother and I went to the market together. We, went, we were on our way to the terminal when suddenly somebody took the bags that I was carrying under my arms. I turned around and I saw the thief running deep into the market. So I took off running after them. Suddenly, I heard the voice of my mother, Stop! I stopped running and the thief got away. A couple of months later, my parents immigrated to the USA, leaving me and my siblings in the care of our grandfather. It wasn't until years later, when I was almost 15 years old, that we were able to come to this country, and we came to this country undocumented. At first, I was so happy to be reunited with my mother. However, like many other immigrants, soon I had to face the hardship of having to get used to life in a country with a strange culture and a strange language that I knew nothing of. I felt strange and alone. And I also started to feel upset at my mother for having taken me away from everything and everyone I knew until then. During my senior year of high school, I learned that I had to give up my dream of being a teacher, a lawyer, or a reporter. My family couldn't afford to send me to college, and since I was undocumented, I could not apply for a scholarship. All those hours that I had spent studying, all those days going to school, all my effort had been for nothing. I blame my mother for bringing me to this country undocumented. After graduation, I learned that I couldn't even marry my high school sweetheart because doing so will further complicate my immigration status. Again, I thought, thanks to my mother. By now, I was so mad at my mother that I defied her and I got married anyway. Also, my girlfriend was pregnant, so we kind of had to get married. <laughs> After getting married, I realized that getting a good paying job to support my family without the proper documents was going to be difficult. So I ended up working at a fast food restaurant. One night at the restaurant, a group of teenagers started to get loud in the dining room. So I approached, I approached the counter and I asked them to be quiet. I don't know if they were drunk, high, or just acting stupid, but as I approached them, one of the kids reached over the counter and punched me in the face. A few seconds later, I jumped over the counter running after the kid. I had a knife in my hand. For a few seconds, the kid stood by the door waiting for me. And I knew that if the kid and I was, were going to get into a fight, I was going to use the knife. And one of us was going to get hurt. But at the last minute, his friends took him away. After the kid left, I found myself upset, but not only at the kid who had punched me in the face, but also at my current situation. And I found myself again blaming my mother for bringing me to that country undocumented. 
I blame her for taking me away from the opportunity to get an education in Guatemala. And I even blame her for having a shitty job. I blame my mother and I wonder if maybe I had not been better off staying in Guatemala. While I was busy building resentment against my mother, she had been busy working three or four jobs to save money to pay for a multiple applications procedures and to the fines for all these procedures. She had come to the USA in time for the immigration amnesty of the early 80s. She had gotten a green card. And since that day, she had been trying to sponsor me and my siblings so we could get a green card. In one occasion, after my application had been denied, my mother gave me a form that I was supposed to fill up to appeal my case. But I was so mad then that I just took the application and I threw it in the garbage and I stomped out of her house angrily. After I left, my mother went into the garbage can, fished up the application, filled it up, enclosed a check, and sent it to immigration. I would have never gotten a green card if it wasn't because of my mother. And even after me and my brothers got our green cards. Our mother kept reminding us to walk a straight line and not commit any crimes as to not further complicate our immigration status because committing a crime, especially a felony, could mean a denial of citizenship or even a deportation. But it wasn't until March of this year, after more than 30 years of living in this country, that I finally became a USA citizen. The day that I became a USA citizen, I called my mother to give her the good news. And I also wanted to take the opportunity to thank her for all her hard work. I have finally understood all her sacrifices and all the years that she had worked. And I wanted to apologize for all the resentment against her that I had built up all those years. During our conversation, I also asked her something that had been on my mind for a long time. Mom, I said, when was the moment that you decided that we had to leave Guatemala and come to the USA? Do you remember the day at the market when I asked you to stop running after the thief? Do you know why I asked you to stop running? My mother asked. Because you thought that I couldn't catch him? Because I knew that you could catch him. And I knew that he probably had some friends that were, that were waiting and were going to hurt you or even worse. That day at the market, I knew that if we didn't leave Guatemala, I was going to have to keep sending you or your brothers alone to the market and sooner or later, you guys were going to get hurt. I knew what my mother meant. Back then, Guatemala was in the middle of a bloody civil war. Many businesses were closing. Very few yachts were available. Violence and crime were rampant. Even if I had stayed in Guatemala, I was going to be in danger. In fact, any of my dream professions would have put me in danger with the Guatemalan government. Teachers and lawyers that try to educate the population about the laws and the rights meant to protect them were being put in jail accused of being communists and trying to rile, rile up the population against the government. Journalists 
that try to inform the population about the abuses committed by those in charge when being treated with violence or jail. Getting in trouble with the Guatemala government was not something that I could walk away if I had armed myself with a degree or a profession. No, they would have made me disappear just like they make many people disappear before or after I was born. I'm sorry, I told my mom. I'm sorry that for so long I blamed everything bad in you, on your decision to bring us to the USA undocumented instead of thanking you for all your hard work and sacrifices. We hug and we cry. That was a few months ago. But a few weeks ago, as I watched the video of the mother being reunited with her son, I couldn't help to think about my own immigration experience and I began to wonder, what if instead of reaching the USA safely like we did, me and my siblings had been caught by immigration and put into cages? Or what if I had stayed in Guatemala and then as an adult, I had been forced to leave Guatemala with my own kids only to be caught by ice at the border and have my kids ripped away from my arms? Would my kids refuse to hug me as we were being reunited? I kept watching the video and I see that the kid is no longer looking away. The kid is looking at his mother and his arms are moving as if to embrace her. This young, beautiful kid has managed to learn in a few minutes what it took me years to understand, that it was not his mother's fault that they have to leave the country, and that all the pains and sacrifices they went through are not her fault. She just tried to provide him with an opportunity, a life, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. And as they hug, they cry. And as they cry, I cry. I cry out for justice. I cry tears of anger. But this is no longer the misguided anger of my youth. This is anger with a purpose. The purpose to fight for those immigrant children the same way that my mother fought for me. And to use that anger to march, to protest, and to make people understand that children do not belong in cages and the families, families belong together. This story was produced by Jorge Silva, curated by Andrew Riley, directed by Max Spitz, with music and sound design by Allison Hines. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a city arts grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Leopardo Charitable Foundation, our 2018-2019 season sponsor, Skadden, Arp, Slate, Meager, and Flome, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.